The sermon passage for today is Exodus 7, verses 1 to 13. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When Pharaoh says to you, Prove yourselves by working a miracle, then you shall say to Aaron, Take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh, that it may become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. So now, Father in heaven, we approach you in the name of Jesus, your Son, the Lord, our Savior. And we pray today that you would meet with us, you would speak to us, you would shape us. You would transform us. And you would bless us. We don't ask this because you owe us anything. But we ask it boldly in the name of Christ. Trusting that you hear and receive and answer our prayers through him. And Lord, now as we look to your word, we pray that you would cause us to understand, to receive, to believe, to be changed. Would you work mightily, Father, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So good to see you all this morning, and it's very good to have you with us. Here at Redeemer, we are studying through the book of Exodus, and we've entitled our our series, Our God Saves. And what we're going to see and what we are seeing in the book of Exodus are these very grand truths about God's power and God's strength and God's deliverance and God subduing nations and God pouring out judgment and God delivering his people. And and, and trust me when I tell you, those are these main themes throughout the book of Exodus. And we're going to spend our time gleaning from them diligently. But here, kind of in the calm before the storm in the book of Exodus, we get in chapter 6 and chapter 7, this conversation between God and Moses. 
And it might be easy for us to kind of just move through that and say, Moses, go be used of the Lord next. But, but, but I really feel that in this conversation, there are realities for us that are really important. And so I want us to continue giving this conversation between Moses and the Lord the time that it deserves. And so today's sermon is entitled, Equipped. And what we're going to see in Exodus chapter 7 is that God's servants need God's equipping for doing God's work. God's servants need God's equipping for doing God's work. An important part of our faith is trusting God to provide for us as we obey Him. An important part of our faith is trusting God to provide for us as we obey Him. And all Christians are sent to do the work of the Lord in this world. That's the gift that I believe, the gift that I believe this chapter of the Bible gives us. And I want us to look at that together this morning. So, if you want to take notes, the first point is not ready with a question mark. Not ready. What happens in chapter 5 and chapter 6 is that Moses tells God that he's not ready. He's not ready for the work. Actually, Moses is in despair because the work is not going well. And the work is the work that God sent Moses to do with very clear instructions. And so the Lord meets with Moses and teaches Moses and gives Moses these gifts. He says, Moses, I am the one true God who always is, always will be, and is unchanging. I am with you. Moses, I keep my word, and I've promised you success. I'm with you. I will carry out my word. And he additionally offers Moses a track record of his consistent faithfulness to his people and says, I will not fail my people. You can look more about that in chapter 6 or go listen to last week's message but after, even still, even after God enters into Moses' despair and enters into Moses' struggle, Moses still says, but I'm not ready. This is the last objection. So look at chapter 6, verse 12. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me, how then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. And then verse 30. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, 
I am of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? So, so Moses' last objection is, I'm of uncircumcised lips. How will Pharaoh listen to me? He offers it twice. Now, this unused, unusual to us phrase, I mean, anyone here use the phrase uncircumcised lips in conversation this week? Anybody? Okay. If so, I'd love to hear about it after the service. But um, this unusual phrase for us, I believe is best understood as I'm unprepared and not ready for this work. I'm, I'm unprepared to speak your word. I'm unprepared to carry out what you're calling me to carry out. How will it work? That's really the question before the Lord. And chapter 7 is going, or the beginning of chapter 7 is going to be God's answer to this question. What we're going to see is that God has equipped Moses with everything he needs to carry out the work that God is calling Moses to do. But before we get to that, let's just pause. Is Moses ready? The text is going to say, absolutely. And Moses is going to say, absolutely not. And I think there's a sufficient argument to be made that Moses is exactly where he needs to be for the work that God is calling him to do. There's, probably, there's a robust biblical argument to be made that feeling insufficient, so insufficient that we run to the Lord and plead to the Lord for his help is actually the correct posture to be used of the Lord. When the Lord calls us to do things that are of God-sized magnitude, he doesn't do it because he has confidence in us. He does it because he has confidence in himself and he wants his people to be humble empty vessels that display his power. It's a theme throughout all of the Bible. And so for Moses to feel inadequate and unprepared, but willing to obey and follow and serve is exactly where Moses needs to be. Isaiah 64 verse 4 says this, From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. The truth that we see at work in Exodus 7, and I would argue we see at work all throughout the scripture, is that God is eager to display his power and do his work through those who depend upon him for the power and the strength to do the work. Romans 10 verse 11 says this, For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And the idea is that God doesn't shame people who feel empty and dependent, but that's actually those whom God uses. And additionally, this is how we come to faith. 
We enter relationship with God not based upon our adequacy, but based upon understanding our need of God's deliverance and God's salvation that we cannot provide. And so the story of Jesus Christ in the New Testament is a similar story of salvation comes to those who call out to God to save them because of what Christ has done. To flesh that out a little more, the the redemptive theme of the scripture is that God's son, Jesus, lived a perfect life and died on a cross to pay the penalty of the sins of humanity such that all who come to him in faith are forgiven and redeemed and accepted, not because of what we've done, but because of what God's Son has done for us. A posture of inadequacy and failure and need is a place where faith plays out and God is eager to pour out his blessing. So while Moses feels woefully inadequate and is crying out to Lord, the Lord for help, I think what we need to see with a little perspective of how the story is going to unfold is Moses is exactly where Moses needs to be. Humble and reliant and looking to the Lord. And I would just say to anyone here who is a child of God through Christ, the Lord is eager for us to remain humble and reliant and looking to the Lord. And if I can just be a bit autobiographical, is that okay here on a Sunday morning? I'm going to whether you say yes or no. But if I'm honest about an inventory of my days, I tend to only get humble and reliant and looking to the Lord after all my endeavors have failed to accomplish anything. And what I pray for my my own soul and for all of you is that we would just be quick to move into humility and reliance and crying out to the Lord. Exodus 7's answer to Moses' posture is God definitively and clearly saying, I have prepared and equipped you for this task, Moses. Your work is to go and do exactly what I tell you. So let's look at that. Let's look at how the Lord makes it clear to Moses that he's equipped him. Beginning in chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. Now, that's a bit of a confusing phrase for us. What what is not being said there is that God has made Moses into some kind of deity. But but what he's saying is that Moses is going to function before Pharaoh in such a way that he's going to have the word and the power of the Lord coming through the words that he speaks. Now, Moses can't freelance here, right? Like, Moses can't be like, 
and give me a couple bars of gold. He can only do what the Lord tells him to do, but as he speaks what God says, it's going to come to be, and therefore in the eyes of Pharaoh, he's going to look like a godlike figure. And then he's going to have Aaron speaking the words and carrying out the tasks in such a way that Aaron looks like a prophet. Now, prophet doesn't always mean speaking about the future. It means speaking God's word. And so what Moses is, or what God's saying to Moses is, I'm giving you my presence and my power to carry out my work. That's provision. That's equipping. And I'm giving you Aaron to speak the words that I give you in such a way that they will be clear and heard because that was a fear of Moses's. And so the Lord is saying, Moses, I'm giving you my presence and my power, and I'm giving you Aaron to help you speak the words in front of Pharaoh and his group of people. And there's a little humble reminder there for Moses, too, because when God put Moses out on this mission to begin with, Moses' first thing was, but I'm not good at speaking. And God said, fine, I'll give you Aaron. And then Aaron comes to him, and Aaron is joyfully with him. And it's like God is saying to Moses, remember when you needed Aaron and I gave you Aaron? You have Aaron. I'm equipping you in every way that you need to be equipped. So he gives him the power and presence of the Lord. Second, he gives him a prophet to speak for him. Third, he's going to give him intimate knowledge of the outcome. Look at verse 3. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Now, what God is saying is he is giving to Moses. This is not new knowledge. He had already shared it with Moses before, but he is reiterating and giving to Moses intimate knowledge of what was going to happen. Why might you ask? Because Moses was going to appear like a failure 10 times before the people of Israel were delivered. And so God is saying to Moses, you're going to go, you're going to do what I say. It's going to appear to work, like the, the power's going to be on display, then it's going to appear like you failed, and I'm going to send you again. And it's going to appear like you failed, and I'm going to send you again. And, it's gonna, and why would he give to Moses this intimate knowledge? Because he wants Moses to know that through the multiple rounds of signs and wonders, God is at work, God's carrying out his plan, his power, and his way and these cyclical results are not for Moses to concern himself with. His calling is to go and obey and do exactly what he said. But God has given this intimate knowledge of the outcome to Moses so that Moses will have confidence that God is with him and is equipping him every step of the way. Fourth, God promises Moses that the people of Israel will be delivered. 
That's in verses 4 and 5. I, I just read them. Pharaoh ultimately will let my people go. Pharaoh ultimately will know that I am the one true God. And Pharaoh ultimately will know that I deliver my people. God is giving to Moses a promise of ultimate deliverance. And then fifth, he's going to give to Moses the needed signs and power for the work. He's going to give to Moses the needed signs and power for the work. This is in verses 8 and following. Pharaoh's going to ask you to prove yourself by working a miracle. That seems like a, a, a hurdle, right? When he does so, take your staff and cast it down before Pharaoh that it may become a serpent. So what God is saying to Moses is, Pharaoh is going to ask you for a sign, and I have given you a sign. Remember, this has already played out in the book of Exodus. We've already done the throw down the stick, and it become a snake thing. God gave this sign to Moses in the past, in the land of Midian, before he came back to Egypt. But God reminds Moses, I've equipped you with the miracle that you're going to need for the work that you're going to need to do. So I believe in these verses, and I want you to see in these verses that God is making it very clear to Moses that he's prepared him and he's given him all that he needs to carry out the work that ultimately is done through God's power. Now, I said in the first point that we can learn a posture from Moses. And this point, I think it's important that we learn that we too need God's power as we seek to engage in God's work in God's world. Now, this is really important. We, we touched on this last week, and we're going to do this multiple times through the book of Exodus because it's really important. There are certain huge key things about this Moses narrative that are unique to Moses, one-time events in the history of the Scripture that, that do not directly apply to us. Does that make sense? So, like... If you go home and get your favorite stick and throw it down on the floor before lunch today, it's not going to become a snake. If it does, give me a call. I want to come watch. But it's not going to happen because God doesn't always work through his people in such a way. God clearly in this narrative is posturing himself against Egypt and for his people. Because Egypt is the current enemy of God's people. But that doesn't mean that God is always viewing Egypt as an enemy of himself. And God is speaking his words clearly and tangibly to Moses in such a way that Moses knows exactly what to say and exactly what to do. He leaves us with a little more scripture and wisdom 
So there are some particular things about this story that are very unique that don't replicate themselves in our lives. But what is true if we take the whole arc of the scripture is that God always does his work through his people. I'm not sure why that's how he works, but that's how he works. He always does his work through his people. And the New Testament makes it very clear that if we are Christians, that is, if we are in Christ, if we come to a place to see that our only hope and our only deliverance and our only salvation comes through Jesus, then what the New Testament says is, you are now my servants, you are now my missionaries, you are now a kingdom of priests unto your God. I do my work through all my people. So if we're in Christ, then Christ has died for us and covered our sin. He hears our prayers and intercedes for us. His spirit dwells within us to empower us and help us. He's given us his church so that together we can navigate this world. He's given us his word so that we know his promises and how he works. He has equipped us for the work of building his kingdom. And every single one of us, if we claim the name of Christ, is sent by God to do God's work in God's world. So last week we said, and I'll reiterate again this week, there are at least four categories of work that God has for every Christian to be actively doing in Christ and by the Spirit. Number one, all Christians are called to be active in the work of pursuing holiness. That's fighting sin, walking by faith, and seeking to live in a way that is more pleasing to Christ. Not only are we called to be active in pursuing personal holiness, but we're called to be active in serving others as we pursue holiness together and take up God's vision for God's kingdom. Number two, all Christians, all places and everywhere are called to be active in investing in the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus died to to build and to raise up the people of God. And by faith in Christ, we belong to the church. And Jesus said that his church will thrive, it will be purified, and it will expand to the ends of the earth. And he wants his people to labor for the life and the vitality and the healthiness and the faithfulness of his church. So, God would want us to be active in investing in the church. Number three, all Christians are are sent by God to take the gospel outside of the church. All Christians are called by God to be active in the message of God's saving grace through Jesus going outward from us into his world. Number four, All Christians are called to intentionally love our neighbors as God has loved us. With that very broad definition of neighbor as anyone who is in need. So pursuit of holiness, investing in the church, taking the gospel outside the church, intentional love 
of others as the Lord has loved us. Those four things are the starting point of understanding the work that the Lord has for all of his children. A nice seminary phrase to put around that is building the kingdom of God. The Lord has sent us to be active in his work of building his kingdom. And through Christ, through the Spirit, through the church, through the Word, Christ has equipped us for this work. Now, I want to be very pragmatic for a second. I get paid to talk to Christians about biblical things. And when I talk to Christians, the biggest hurdle that I see toward this type of kingdom living is a feeling of inadequacy. I don't feel up to the task, so I won't. I'm scared that I will fail, so I won't. I'm not sure what to say, so I won't. It might not be received well, so I won't. Does that sound familiar to a story that we've been talking about? Where we can learn from Moses is understanding that that posture of, Lord, I need you, would you pour out your grace and your power through me, is the posture that the Lord is eager to use And can we believe that he has equipped us with everything we need for the work that he calls his church into? I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start. I might fail. I might not say it right. I think you're starting to get where you need to be. Now, pray, cry out to the Lord, and let him do his work through us. Third point. Now let's let the games begin. This is one of the most encouraging realities to me in this passage. Look at verse 6. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Then look at verse 10. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Moses and Aaron went and did something immeasurably difficult for which they felt woefully inadequate because they believed the word of the Lord and they did exactly what he told them to do. Man, Don't you want that for yourself this week? Parents, don't you want that for your kids? 
got up and they went and did what exactly what the Lord told them to do. And I, I'm one of those anxious, worrying types. We got any of those here? I see a couple of you, but I'm not going to call you by name because we're on Facebook this hour. So um, you get off. We've got visitors here. I'm sorry, I don't call people by name from the pulpit most of the time. Um, but I'm one of those worrying, anxious types. And man, there was a whole lot to worry about here, right? But here's the thing. Moses and Aaron couldn't change Pharaoh's heart. God had to. Moses and Aaron couldn't deliver the people. God had to. But for whatever reason, God was going to use Moses and Aaron, and they were called to go and do exactly what he told them to do. And not be woefully frozen in fear of what they couldn't control in the situation. The Lord said, Pharaoh's heart's going to be hardened, and he's not going to let you go. The hardness of Pharaoh's heart wasn't Moses' issue. That was God's. If you want something free for today, the hardness of anybody's heart is not our issue. That's God's. And they went and they did exactly as the Lord commanded them. And the Lord did exactly as he promised he would do. Verse 11, or sorry, verse 10. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Pharaoh asked for a sign. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants and it became a serpent. Verse 11, then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. Uh-oh, God didn't tell us what was going to happen here. Are we ready for this? Now we got a bunch of snakes crawling around. Verse 12, for each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. So God's act through Moses and Aaron displayed God's power in such a way that Pharaoh believed they had been sent by God and this battle is now underway. Still, Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord said. You see that? God gave that promise to them to carry them through the dejection and the disappointment. Ten more encounters are coming. Ten more assaults on the hardness of Pharaoh's heart before the Lord finally breaks him. And God's people are delivered. And all of Egypt will know that indeed Yahweh is the Lord. But God wants his people to trust his word and his character and his power to deliver them in his time. And 
God always does this work for his people, through his people, to display his power. Let's learn a calling to deep, prayerful dependence on the Lord from this narrative in the life of Moses.